Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backheeled Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's episode, we're diving into the world of Major League Soccer. It's been a month since the regular season started. We've seen four games from most teams. So what have we learned at this point in the season? Well, that's what we're talking about on today's show. We're going to dive into a number of different takeaways from the season so far, ranging from the new kids on the block to a big MLS star to the best teams in the league to the flawed teams, all that coming up in just 10 minutes or less. Because here on the Backyield Show, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So let's get to it and talk soccer. <laughs> First on today's show, there's no other place to start really, is with St. Louis City. SC had to yell the city there because of the all caps thing. St. Louis City are undefeated right now. I didn't expect that. I don't think anybody, maybe even folks inside the club, expected that. They have four wins from four. They are the only perfectly perfect team in Major League Soccer right now. They've already got a five-point lead on top of the West with a game in hand. Granted, LAFC have a game in hand, so there's a little bit of a gap there. But they also have a nine-point lead from first to the playoff line, which is all the way down in ninth, which is a bit absurd, as I think many folks have already said, and I'll, I'll say it again here. It's absurd, but St. Louis have been playing good soccer. Their press and Bradley Carnell's approach and their front office's ability to identify players that can function well in this pressing system, I mean, it's, it's all been excellent so far. The press looks really, really sharp. And I think the key point for this stage in the season for St. Louis is that the press looks sharper relative to the opposing team's possession play. So St. Louis have played a lot of possession-heavy teams so far. They played Austin, they played Charlotte, they played St. Louis. All three of those teams, if you ask them, are going to tell you that they want to play with the ball, they want to build from the back, they want to create chances with possession and control, right? Those teams are not operating at a very high level right now. I think San Jose are probably the best of that group. St. Louis's press is just straight up a better way at the start of the season for them to create chances then the build-up methodology is for a number of their opponents so far and has been for a number of those teams. So they have a tactical advantage right now. They have a stylistic advantage. My next question is for the St. Louis team. You know, it's going to be hard for them to sustain this form over a long period of time. But my next questions are, you know, when does that start to change? When does the press become a little, a little bit less valuable as the season goes on and your players get tighter and the weather starts to warm up? When does the press become less valuable in trying to control the game and limit your running with possession, with sharper possession as the season goes on. You know, when, when, when does the balance tip and that possession style start to become more effective and St. Louis, St. Louis's advantage really through this point in the year start to be negated? I don't have an answer to that question. I didn't even think we'd have to be asking these questions at this point in the year. And St. Louis really have built themselves a nice cushion, a cushion I didn't expect. So credit to them for all of that. The next test for this group is can they continue to do something even approaching this level? Can they continue to operate in this stratosphere and become a really, really good and consistent team of Major League Soccer over the next month and the next month and the next month. Either way, this team has done some really impressive stuff and credit to them for four wins in four games to their start to life in MLS. The next takeaway, to stick with the number four here, is with Tiago Almada. I mean, it, it has to be. He has been the brightest player in Major League Soccer so far this year, the 21-year-old Argentine who was with Argentina at the World Cup He's got four goals and four assists in four games for Atlanta United. Now, I don't put a lot of stock, especially in assists, in those counting stats. 
it's more important to me, and I think more important to winning soccer games, that you create chances consistently for your teammates, that you get into good goal-scoring opportunities, and then the chances and the assists and the goals will come from those moments. Almada is not going to average a goal and assist per game over the course of this season, but you look at the underlying numbers, he's still been elite this season in MLS at creating chances. He's still been elite at getting goals on the board. Like he's doing all of the underlying stuff, almost all the underlying stuff that you'd want an elite MLS player to be doing. And he's also ending up on the box score. It's like the best of both worlds right now for Atlanta United. He's been fantastic to start this year. The question around him right now is, you know, is he going to break the Miguel Almiron transfer fee record? Is he going to break what I think was close to $27 million for Atlanta United's former attacking midfield star? Is he going to break that number? Is he going to become MLS's biggest export ever. I think he's got every chance to do so. He's on international duty with Argentina right now as I'm recording this. He's already in their plans, at least to an extent. He's been an unreal. I, I want to see how Amada continues to improve. I think there's work for him to do in terms of a shot selection, getting into even better spots for goals. I want to see him improve on that front. And I want to see him actually be challenged, right? That's the thing with Atlanta. Their two best performances of the year and Almada's best performances of the year came against a bad Charlotte team and a bad and injured Portland team. You know, we, I, I want to see him play against a compact defense. I want to see him be frustrated. I want to see him grow and have to deal with difficult moments that, frankly, at least in recent games, he just hasn't had to deal with much at all. If he continues to improve and passes those tests against better teams, against better defenses, in less transition-heavy games for Atlanta United, I mean, it's going to be really clear that this guy is the real deal. It's already pretty clear, uh, but, but those kinds of performances are really going to increase his stock, in my mind, and in the minds of smart European teams with money to go out and, and, and splash the cash on a guy like this. Up next in our MLS takeaways after the first month of the season, this is a simple one. LAFC and Seattle are just really, really good. St. Louis have stolen the top spot in the West, and they, like I said earlier, deserve a ton of credit for that. LAFC and Seattle are two and three in the Western Conference right now. And in my mind, even though they're not leading the league in points, even though they're not even leading some of the Eastern Conference teams in points, they are the two best teams in this league. They played over the weekend, nil-nil draw in Seattle. Basically, both teams were neutralized. Neither team is perfect right now. They're still trying to find themselves. LAFC are dealing with CCL. Seattle are dealing with some injuries and, and still trying to grow and, and figure out how to get all their pieces into a team in the best way. But the talent is undeniable. Like LAFC and their direct play is so dangerous. Seattle's defensive ability and their, their willingness to extend but not overextend they find that balance better than almost any other team in Major League Soccer. The talent is so high. These are the two best teams in Major League Soccer. Would not surprise me at all if we're looking at them facing off in the Western Conference Finals later on this year. Finally, the last takeaway that I'm tossing out on this episode is that the LA Galaxy are in trouble. I think we kind of already knew that before this season started. I was drawn in by their top-end talent. I think Ricky Pooja is the best player in Major League Soccer, but they're an incomplete team. Right now, the center back situation is a bit frightening, even though Jalen Neal is a promising young player. He's going to need time to develop, and the veterans around him are old and slow. The Galaxy don't have any elite wingers. They've been linked to a couple of different players out wide, both fullbacks and wingers, over the last couple of weeks on the transfer market. They've got to sort this out now, right? They're all the way down in 12th place in the Western Conference. They're in 12th right now in the Western Conference, and they don't look like they deserve to be an elite team. They don't look like they're taking full advantage of Ricky Pugia's title window. You know, fans are protesting the front office. It's Greg Vanny still calling the shots on the personnel side and on the coaching side. Now, they did, according to reports, according to Tom Bogert, go out and hire LAFC's former assistant GM, Will Kuntz, which I think could be a game-changing move for them. 
but there are still so many issues with this team, with the club as a whole. The Galaxy need help. They need signings. They need a winger that's going to help connect Ricky Pouge to the strikers. They just need more in pretty much every way. As far as disappointments go in the first month of the season, the Galaxy are number one on that list. That's it for this episode of the Backheeled Show. If you enjoyed, go ahead and scroll up or down here in the Backheeled Show feed or check out Backheeled.com for more coverage of MLS, the NWSL, USL, the U.S. men's and women's national teams, and a whole bunch of other stuff. We'll talk to you again very soon.